It's not fair. How many of you have ever said that or heard your brother or sister say it or your child say it? It's just not fair. And the response I used to get growing up, well, let me tell you, kid, life isn't fair. That meant we were to just take it on the chin. Not very pastoral or helpful, not what you want to hear from your parent, but nevertheless, we learn over the years that life isn't fair. And today's parable certainly tells us that. The workers that enter into the vineyard in the morning expect to be paid a fair wage for a full day's work. They don't expect the person that shows up at five to six to be paid the same amount. Perhaps you have seen people milling in a parking lot hoping that they will be picked to be a day laborer. When we lived in North Carolina, they used to gather in the grocery store parking lot early in the morning in the dark. Men waiting, hoping, praying that they would be chosen to do some sort of menial labor for the day. And they also knew that they would be paid not what they were really worth that they were trying to keep body and soul together for their families, or perhaps to send money back to their families. It was an uneasy sight to see, but nevertheless, it's one that we know is true. The parable today has three components and they're theological in nature. The first is the denarii that is given to the people when they are paid is, to be, is a stand-in for salvation. We are paid salvation for believing in God and the risen Lord. The workers that come at the very beginning are the people who follow Jesus from the moment he appeared to them. And the last people are the converts, the Gentiles that came on the scene at a later date. How many of us look askance at these new converts? I was thinking about this sermon this week, of course. Um, and how the Episcopal faith, in particular, takes great pride in being a cradle Episcopalian. It's those of us who've come later to the faith, myself included, that are kind of feel like stepchildren. Yes, thank you, yes, yes, we do. I remember when I was in seminary, there was a woman who did not believe in converts to the Anglican faith. She told us 
that we were diluting the bloodline. This is a person who was going to be a priest. There are very few cradle Anglicans anymore. And we are, those of us who have been wise enough to come here and to embrace this long tradition are grateful for the beauty that it brings us and gives us. We don't look askance at new people, and we certainly hope that those who grew up in this church or have always been Episcopalian or Anglican do not look askance at us. Uh-oh, what did I do? The Lord, yeah, the Lord says, hey, wait a minute. But we do that. It's natural to think, well, I've been here longer, so I get to keep my pew. Or I've been here the longest, so I get to make all the decisions. Doesn't matter what the vestry thinks or the rector thinks or anyone. I'm in charge here because I've been here since Moses was a child. People are surprised to find out, like the laborers in the vineyard, we are all the same. We are all loved by God equally. Whether we came to God as a child and went to Sunday school, or we came to God on our deathbeds, or a family member came on their deathbed. I know of one man who really lived a life of depravity and when he was dying, the one thing he asked for was a Bible. Now, some people look down on him because, of course, the thought is, oh, he's just covering his bases to make sure that when he gets to the pearly gates, they let him in. I found great courage in that story. I thought, here is a person who really, really needs God, and God will never ever turn his back on them, him, her, any of us. Whether we fall away from the church and come back later, or we stay with the church when we were, from when we were a child, God is always willing and eager to accept us. He doesn't care if it's been a week that we've been away or a month or 10 years, when we walk through those doors, he is eager to meet us and greet us and throw his proverbial arms around us. Are we as willing to accept people who have stepped away from their faith or the church? That was the problem with the workers in the vineyard. They didn't want the people that had come last to be treated equally. They wanted to be better than them. And when the vineyard owner says, friend, and Tom Long, the Presbyterian minister, always says, if Jesus calls you friend, you are not his friend. <laughs> he said, friend, the owners, what is it to you 
What do you care? Is it, does it matter to you out of my pocket that I have given this person as much as I've given that person? No. And if you don't like it, you're free to leave. But there's always that invitation to stay and be willing to see the person standing in front of you and to welcome them. We all are in need of that. We all need to have a little mercy in our lives. And we also need to extend to another grace. Because, as we have learned, with God all things are possible. So the person that we're willing to marginalize and turn away from is the very person who may be the one that has the biggest lesson to teach us. The owner knew that inherently. The owner was invested in being fair and just and kind and merciful. So often today we see the opposite. And so often we lament, where is the justice? As we stand on the verge of yet another government shutdown, those who will need services the most may be turned away. And then we will say, where is the justice? Where is the mercy? We need to be, extend grace to those that we disagree with. And we need to extend hospitality to the stranger. And also the person that we might not like very much because we're all equal in God's eyes. And if we all remember that, yes, people come to church for a variety of reasons. We just have to extend the love of God and the love of Christ to each and everyone who comes through the door. Whether you're a Presbyterian or a Methodist or a Lutheran or a Cradle Episcopalian, we are all equal in God's eyes. And God loves us equally. Amen.